Welcome to Talk 30 to Me, a show where we talk about the perspective of 30-somethings on life. My kid is an asshole. Love. Did I tell you about the girl? twice in a week. And the never-ending pursuit of fulfillment. My name is Anthony, but most people just call me Turd. And I'm Randy Z. Let's start the show. All right, so we're here with our guest, Brenda Gonzalez, the co-creator and host of the Tamarindo podcast. Yeah. Tamarindo? You're Tamarindo. Say Tam- I'm, I'm going to whitewash <laughs> the hell out of this Tamarindo. episode. And uh, I was given the okay earlier by a, uh, a lot. Uh, let, let's just put it this way. I, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're not going to get into the detail, but Brenda... Thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. So much fun. Really Already. excited. Yeah, we we always we only have just a lot begun. more fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really want to get to know a lot about. I don't know a whole lot about you, and I know our listeners probably don't. Maybe they do. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, and uh, a little bit about the podcast? Great. Yes. So I'm a Mexican immigrant that came to the country when I was four years old. I grew up in Orange County, which is very conservative. <laughs> Um, I studied political science because I found out when I was applying to college that I was undocumented or maybe I knew, but it didn't become an actual barrier to me until I was like, oh, you mean I may not go to the college of my dreams because I'm undocumented wow. and don't qualify for financial aid and a whole bunch of stuff. Right. So I was all of a sudden very political because it, it really was about my livelihood and my mm-hmm. future. So I um, had to go to Cal State Fullerton. I, I say had to because I went to a school where people were going to great places. And I and I felt like, oh, man, I have to go to the local state school because that's what my parents can afford. Right. But I went there and I had an excellent experience. I was a political science major. And that's kind of been part of my background always, just politics. And I volunteered on a bunch of campaigns. And I listened to a lot of political podcasts and I thought, hey, you know what? This sounds easy. I'll start one. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> that's, that's the elevator pitch of my background. Um, obviously, there's a lot, a lot more, but we can get into it as we continue. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny because every time I hear Tamarindo, I think of, man, what was that old song when we were in school? It was Puerto Rico. Hey. And Tamarindo. <laughs> hey. <laughs> so what is Tamarindo? Well, Tamarindo is a flavor that is very common to a lot of Latinos. You can have it in a savory way um, with like something spicy or there's a sweet way. There's like uh, Tamarindo rolled up in little sugar balls. Now there's Tamarindo martinis. There's Tamarindo mole. There's <laughs> wow. all kinds of Tamarindo. And so that really- Sounds delicious. I know it is delicious. But also it just kind of talks about the Latino experience that okay. it's so diverse mm. and we we are so many different flavors and textures mm-hmm. and variety that that's why we kind of gravitated to that name and- and it, on the podcast, even though it's co-hosted by two Mexicans, we do think about trying to have a lot of the Latino experience in the many shapes and forms that it is expressed, be part and represented in the show. That That is deep. I mean, you guys put a lot of thought and foresight into that. I mean, <laughs> when we started this shit, we were like, let's just talk about being 30, I guess. That's so broad, though. That's so excellent. <laughs> You're like, no, we're different flavors and textures and shapes and sizes, and we're going to get into this. Yeah. Like, we're going all in with, with, the, with the culture, and that's awesome. And, and the thing that really, um, really stands out for me is how passionate you are about that. And I guess uh, you alluded to why that might be uh, going back to you finding out and identifying with the fact that you were, in fact, undocumented right. upon – Entering the collegiate um, 
uh, collegiate stage. So tell me a little bit about that and how that impacted the next four years of your life as you transitioned through college after finding out that you were undocumented. Yeah, well... Um, I, I like that this show is about being in your 30s because I think younger people that are undocumented fortunately have had a lot more camaraderie or a lot of solidarity among mm-hmm. several people that have that same experience. For me, being slightly older, and I'm sure there's many listeners that were are also my age that were undocumented, it felt more of a lonely experience. Like I didn't think anybody else had my situation. Yeah. After my parents had to pay as um, non-residents, even though I had grown up in Fullerton, so oh, wow. my first semester at a state university, where I in the state where we pay taxes and our homeowners, uh, was you know sixteen thousand dollars. <laughs> but um, at the time, there was also a state law called AB five forty that allowed undocumented students to pay as residents. So my second semester, I went over to admissions. I was like, hey, I'm like really timid and really scared, and nobody like no one that I could feel comfortable asking. I was like, hey, I think I qualify for for this thing. And the lady didn't, like she was very at the admission office or financial aid or whoever it was, was like, oh yeah, um, just fill out this form. It was very like hush hush. And, <laughs> and, wow. and now- Go to the back I, right? and meet the guy. He'll right, give exactly. you the instructions. Yeah. yeah. And now it's like, um, unfortunately, think about how many years that, that, this was back in 2001, 2002. So now unfortunately we haven't resolved that situation. There's still thousands of students in the same situation, but the the positive thing is that now there's a lot more resources. It's a welcoming environment at places like Cal State Fullerton, where I went to school. There's um, workshops. There's support now. DACA and Dreamers is a household mm-hmm. name. It's so tragic that we're still having this fight. Uh, but I think the great thing is that we are all recognizing how ridiculous it is that we don't have a solution for young people that just want to go to school and and contribute to the only country that they know. And you know what? Uh, Kind of as an aside, I'd have to say Donald Trump did a good thing, in essence, in trying to fight this because it really made the fight for what was right a lot more emboldened by the people who, who wanted to own it. And I think it gives a sense of renewal and rejuvenation to the whole idea that, yeah, we are this. This is who we are as a nation. This is something that we have to face, yet we've been kind of sweeping it under the rug for a long period of time, and no one's really challenged it. But now that it has been challenged, the the response and the message that was sent by the people that supported it and the people that were affected by it was was phenomenal. And yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad that more people know what what DACA is and what a dreamer is. And but I guess we're going back to your original question, like what how, how that how did that shape my experience there? I think that well, it made me switch my major to political science. Um, it made of me, course, what did you want initially? Oh, I was I actually was interested in journalism, mm. which is kind of cool because now that I have a podcast, not that I'm a journalist, but it it kind of lets still do me the research before yeah, the show. Yeah, it allows me you. to tap into some of that mm-hmm. um, earlier passion that I had. So in high school, I, I was in the newspaper, like I didn't, I was an editor of the newspaper, and I mm-hmm. learned a whole bunch. And so that's kind of the direction that I wanted to take. But political science was what I ended up with and very passionate and happy. And what I also was trying to do is just like figure out a path to citizenship. You're like, how do I get out of this situation? And um, I think it's important to say that, of course, anybody that I dated, I was like, hmm, will they marry me? <laughs> so I got that married very young. That was in the back of your mind, right? <laughs> yes. I, don't, I mean, that's always in the back of my mind. I, I don't have a citizen issue. I just always wonder, would they marry me? That's... <laughs> That's a legitimate I guess question. It's a legitimate it's question. It's a legitimate question across the board. It's just that some of us in certain situations have a little more urgency. 
<laughs> I get that. I get makes that. sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else? The, something else that I like to talk about because I thought it was kind of ironic is that be, I was a political science major, and then I went and got my master's right afterwards because why not? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I'm trying to think. Yeah, I probably already had a potential to maybe get. No, sorry. I'm thinking back of the timeline. So after I did my undergrad, I don't think I had a, a legal way to work. So I was like, well, I guess mm. I'll get a master's. You know? So that makes sense. I got a master's. Um, luckily, within finishing my master's, I was able to to get a work permit. And, and so what I one of the first very first jobs that I had right after graduating, literally like a couple months after, is teaching American government at Cal State Fullerton. How ironic. How freaking cool. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the coolest job I've ever had. Um, without being able to vote or being a resident. <laughs> wow. I had a work permit, but I, I wasn't a resident or a citizen yet. That is that is some really intense irony. That, that <laughs> is the epitome of irony, if I've ever heard it yeah. on this show. And I don't I think, think we really focus on irony a whole lot. <laughs> no, not at all. But if I ever need an example, I am referencing this moment. <laughs> an undocumented, yeah, teaching American. I mean, that that is classic cool. I mean, yeah. and there's plenty of people that have similar examples. And when and there was an immigrant rights march um, in 2007, recently, and my big sign just said, "I taught American government while I was undocumented." And there was like a small cluster of you know pro-Trump folks in at uh, Union at uh, not Union City, but in um, downtown LA. And I totally was putting my sign like right in front of their faces, like just taunting them, like, yeah, bitch, I taught American government. And they were like, oh, and she's bragging about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was just taunting them. It was so much, I took so much joy in that. (laughs) It's the little things. It's the little things that matter. You alluded earlier to being a product of your environment, more or less being forced into a decision without really having any other alternative or you might have had other alternatives but you picked the better of the options that you probably had so how has that been in a theme throughout your life up until now has it been i i think i i hesitate to think that my life has been forced into something difficult you know because i i do think that i have had a a very privileged life my parents immigrated to this country and I should go back to why they immigrated because they had a a son who had muscular dystrophy a a terminal illness that would put him in a wheelchair and so they made as as any parent would in any similar in a similar situation they made the decision that hey we got to come to the United States this is where their son and their daughter and especially their son would have a better quality of life so it wasn't easy at first, but my my parents having both my dad was a doctor, my mom was an accountant, having a couple of siblings here and you know connections, and were able to have pretty good quality of life. I mean, we they bought their home, they 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 work in professional settings. I mean, they work very hard, but they're not breaking their backs as as many immigrant parents right. do. Mm-hmm. So I I I don't think it's tragic that I had to go to the state school, you know, like, I, I think that that, that was just the situation. I know, or, poor yeah, me, I had oh to go get God. a master's and, you know, miss out on a trip to Europe when my parents got to go and I wasn't yet a resident. <laughs> but like, that's literally the the tragedies of my life. But obviously, no, I mean, there's, I'm thinking, I'm being very silly about it. But 
one major tragedy was definitely losing my brother, but that was, um, you know, it, it was a terminal illness. Mm. So that's definitely something difficult for my family and I. But I don't really think that the circumstance of going to college, I think it seemed tragic when you're 17 years old and you have friends going to USC and like cool schools and, and you got into Loyola Marymount and your roommate calls you and then you say, sorry, I can't afford to go there. You know, like, yeah. that's, that was the situation. So it seemed tragic at the time. But I had an excellent experience. I, I took a lot of AP classes in high school. So I finished college in three years. Awesome. And I, was, I had a master's by the time I was... 22 so wow yeah so it was very i took the best i made the best out of it right i made lemonade out of the the lemons that were pretty ripe and nice lemons you know so it wasn't that bad <laughs> i got a good visual of the lemons i think <laughs> yeah. the lemons are really right yeah. they weren't the green ones they no, were they good ones they yeah were good ones mm -hmm. juicy so I, that i didn't necessarily mean the fact that you you got forced into uh poorer choices per se um, just the fact that you really didn't have control over a lot of what you wanted or may have, like you, you like you mentioned, like you might have wanted to go to a different school. I, I know looking back on it now, yeah, it was great. But then put me in your mindset. How different do you think it would have been had you been able to make your own decisions? I think about that sometimes. Uh, so I got into um, UC Santa Barbara. And I also got into Loyola Marymount. And that was my first choice, was going to Loyola Marymount Private University up on a beautiful hill in overlooking the ocean in LA. Um, but I also think about UC Santa Barbara. And I, I don't know if I would have had the maturity to survive there. I think I, think I would have par partied my little head off. And <laughs> who knows? You know, <laughs> I think the direction and the situation as it was, was probably the perfect one for me. I lived at home. I didn't have incur any college any debt. Like I had no, I have no debt from college. Oh, that's good. You know, I I I worked at In and Out, which is delicious. So <laughs> I think I made the best of the situation, and and who knows, maybe that's what I needed to have happen to me. So you graduated at twenty two with both your match matchers. <laughs> it's a I mattress. hope you had a mattress. <laughs> God, a mattress. if you're sleeping on the yeah, floor no. at 22, with you your bigger problems. Mattress. <laughs> so, you graduated at 22 with your bachelor's and your master's, and then you said you got married uh, real young too. Where did that fall into that timeline? Oh, okay. So as I shared previously, that sometimes when you're undocumented, you have a little bit of extra urgency to like, hmm, will this guy marry me? So I did have a boyfriend when I was 19. and Well, actually, younger than that. We started dating when I was 17. Mm. And he was awesome and so much fun. And I asked him kind of like, dude, help me out. <laughs> and, and you know, he wanted to, he's like, I, I want it to be real. Like, I want us to live together. And I kind of want to like, let's just kind of do it this way. But yeah. like, I'm too young to like actually live with you and do like actually be married. And so ultimately we broke up. He did propose to me. I've been engaged three times. But um, we broke up because we were, you know, yeah. too young. Then I was single again. And I, I met this young, very good looking man. Um, and we started dating and and. We were already going to move in together. And I said, well, hey, we're going to move in together. Why don't we just get married? <laughs> and we did. We did got married. Did you pose it just like that? As pretty like much. Pretty much. <laughs> we got engaged after um, four months, married after eight months. Did he know your situation? Yeah, he knew my okay. situation. Yeah. We were we were really married. But we but obviously, I, I don't think if I wasn't for this situation, I don't know if we would have gotten married so quickly. Mm -hmm. But um, so we, we did. We were married. And... We were married for some some time, but I think when you get married at twenty two, you know, <laughs> yeah, and rush into things like that, it's not gonna it's not gonna pan out. So I found myself divorced by twenty six. Wow. Yeah. 
So contrasting, because you got married the second time at 31. Yes, yes. What were the differences in approaching that Oh my gosh, so many differences. I think w- one of the major things that happened to you when you're, I think 27 is a specific number that I would call out, is you just start to feel a lot more comfortable in your own skin. Mm-hmm. So I think I was in that sort of energy and space when I met or I should say re-met because I had met him before. Reconnected oh. with with Jeff, who's now my husband. Producer Jeff. Producer Jeff, who produces Tamarindo Podcast and also has his own podcast, Chromacast. Shameless plug. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. I had, we'll make sure to get that. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no but I'll tell you very quickly about, about Jeff because I at Cal State Fullerton, which is a gigantic school, and before mm-hmm. I – actually, probably around the same time I met my – first husband. I had spotted Jeff around campus. This is a huge commuter school. And I was like, that guy's super cute. And that's it. It's a huge commuter campus. And I later learned he was roommates about uh, roommates with someone that I knew. And so I used to talk to him on AIM. Remember AIM? That's why I learned to type. That's the reason why I can type 100 words a minute. So I used to talk to him on AIM way back then in like in college, but he kind of ignored me. And then I met this other guy and he was way into me. So then I got married, you know, that's what happens when you snooze. So then I I find myself divorced and I (laughs) I remember thinking about him. I remember thinking like, oh, there was this guy, Jeff. He was so cute and he was a math major and a DJ. And I mentioned that in passing to someone that also went to Cal State Fullerton. And she she was like, I think I know who that is. That's Jeff. And and so we connected on Facebook. So first it was AIM, mm. then it was Facebook, then it was marriage, you know, like so then with- If that's all it took, <laughs> I would have done this whole marriage thing a lot sooner. Yeah, yes. right. I, I think so. I should have joined Facebook. Yeah, sooner, sooner. <laughs> And Jeff is amazing, wonderful person, I think, because I was also in a much more comfortable place. I was more confident and knew what I didn't want. And actually, I had when I got divorced, I wrote in a notebook, like, here's all the things I want in a partner. And I found that everything in Je- with Jeff. Wow. Yeah. And we've, we've been together eight years, married for four, and he's just excellent. I love him. So, but there wasn't the... Uh... The, the urgency of getting married. The no, around, not at right? all. No. So you're able to take your time and like really. Yes, get to know. we dated for four years before we got engaged, and now I mean it's been a long time now. <laughs> yeah. So during that five year period that you really didn't have anything going on other than obviously you you met Jeff at 27. You said. Yeah, we reconnected around oh, 26. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So within that period of time. Yeah. What kind of growth? had you experienced that made this go around at marriage a lot more different aside from the fact that it wasn't rushed? Yeah. I mean, I think just when you're in your twenties and you get more comfortable in your skin and more confident like that, that really, I think is at the core of what happens when you get into your older, older twenties. But I also think that my career was really taking off. So after I graduating college and teaching a little bit at Cal State Fullerton. I only did that for a short while. I um, did a couple jobs here and there with nonprofits, but I eventually got recruited to work for um, Wells Fargo in community development. So working for a large corporation, I got a huge bump in salary. Mm. I, I had a really great job where I was out in the community making a lot of connections. And so I I think my career and and maybe the fact that I had a I had a master's at an early age. I think things were, and married, you know, I think things were really accelerated for me compared to a lot of people probably mm-hmm. at 25. So that, I think that maturity and the the being at a good place in my career, being established, I think all of that 
are essential foundations to having a successful relationship the second go round. I, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. I think having that foundation, not being, not having to worry about something other than your relationship because you have all that figured out, so much easier to yeah. do. And you can really invest that time and that love and that and that focus in the relationship and really grow it and build it the, the way that you want it to. Mm-hmm. How would you approach now in your 30s, obviously, uh, how would you approach the next – I, maybe I should phrase it this way. What is next for you? What is next uh, for you personally in your personal growth and development? Like, do you have anything coming down the pipeline that's going to take you to that next level? Um, I think I've been starting to think a lot, a lot about that. So, um, while at the same time that I'm saying that in your early, in your late twenties, you get more confident and more comfortable in your skin, yeah. I find myself now at 34 that the pendulum is swinging the opposite direction now where I'm, I really have a lot of self-doubt. I'm not, um, I'm not 100% confident in my leadership and my coaching and, and the things that I, that I do as a manager and what I, I imagine is the direction that I'll continue to grow in, you know, like maybe leading an organization in the future or continuing to grow where I'm at. So I find myself second second guessing my decisions having a lot of self-doubt so uh in terms of personal growth i'm starting to think about um maybe i I need a coach in to help me be a better manager or maybe i should think about therapy i don't know there's a lot of a lot of uh self-reflection happening at age 34 right now oh that's interesting so well first off have you ever done therapy i have i have i have so it's not foreign to you to go no it was very heartbreaking um being divorced at 25. I mean, it was very earth shattering at the time. Well, you've, had, you've had some major life uh, experiences before the age of 22, 25, I guess would be the divorce, right? Yeah. But then also losing your brother, mm-hmm. going through the divorce. I mean, those are significant and impactful life events. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but do you feel like it's at 27, when you say you're more comfortable in your skin, do you feel like now with all these things of you like going higher in rank, is it a matter of, of not feeling comfortable or do you just feel like there's more on the line that for you to lose? I don't, I don't know. I think, I don't know. It's very strange. Um, there's definitely reoccurring themes in my life. So before everything that you've heard so far, even in elementary school, like I got expelled at sixth grade. I got in trouble in seventh grade. I got a fight in high school. I mean, there's always been, this is probably TMI, but there's always been, challenges you know like i've always had stand challenges and maybe that's what happens when you're people say i have a strong personality <laughs> maybe this is gonna cons- always gonna be a struggle for me mm-hmm. so i think it's a good time to think about hey maybe i need to examine this like i can't just be coasting through life but yet this always happens you know like i'm always having conflict so maybe i need to figure out what in me can i control so that i um don't have any further challenges as I continue to grow professionally. That's on the professional side, but other things that I have going on, I think we're, we're wanting to buy a house, but Mm. really struggling with like, is it the right time? Is this, is there a bubble? Is it worth it? I'm Um, going through that too right now. Yeah. So right now that's a, that's a, the, the thing that Jeff and I are, are really tackling. Like, should we buy a house? Shouldn't we, Mm -hmm. are we going to miss out on some big, opportunity or have we has this is this the top of the market do we do is that important to us is buying a house important to us or do we want to have flexibility to travel like so mm-hmm. um that's kind of another 
personal challenge that we're yeah thinking about. I don't know if it's a challenge, but just like uh, yeah. what what is occupying it's, our time? It's that. <laughs> yeah, it's a risk because yeah. I mean, because you, you're you're really into the downtown lifestyle right now, right? Because you gave up your car. Yeah, so I live a very non Angelino life. I don't have a car. <laughs> I work downtown. I it's, walk it's the to new work. Angelino life, the new Angelino life. Yeah. Reinvention. Reinvention. People are like right now, a girlfriend of mine was asking me all these questions about parking. I'm like, I don't know. I don't deal with parking. <laughs> What's that? You know, <laughs> not my problem. So um, yeah, that's a really cool life, but it's unaffordable. Like I will, I don't think we could buy in downtown. No, no. But I mean, I think the ultimate, not ultimate goal, but I think a, a great uh, scenario would be maintaining your lifestyle and place in downtown and just own something and rent it out for when you want to go to it later. Yeah, you know? that'd be dope, but I need more money. Right, exactly. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> listen yeah. to somebody in the podcast, make it earn some money. <laughs> <laughs> Currently, it's a not earning me money. It's just a passion project. <laughs> that's Sometimes that's all you need. It's a starting it's point. It's true. I yeah. love it. You mentioned something about control and not and, and learning to control the things that you can is kind of one of the crucial elements of being 30, there are also a lot of things that we can't control, right? right? Yeah. I've fallen victim to this a lot in focusing on the things I can't control right. rather than the things that I can control. Right. Now, with being in our 30s, it's often difficult to admit to things that we can't control, whereas mm. – and we lose focus on the things that we can control. We oftentimes chase the wrong things. Yes. What have you chased in your life that looking back, you could have done differently? And now knowing what you know, taking that, how can you use that to boost your confidence moving forward? Because you alluded to the fact that you're kind of now falling backward, like more toward your 20s instead of m moving toward your 40s. You yeah, I sometimes mean? I feel like the older I get, the younger I get. I don't know if you hey, feel that awesome. feeling, but I, I not in a good way. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know. I feel, I feel that when I was 24 years old, I felt so much older. I had a I had a pretty cool job. Mm -hmm. I had a husband. I had responsibilities. I didn't like go out at night. <laughs> I was such a boring square, but I felt so... Uh, much more mature mm -hmm. now now i feel like i'm i'm having a lot more fun <laughs> and good. i and part of it makes me feel more youthful and so weird it's a very strange feeling right now so you're going backward i maybe maybe and i don't know maybe you're making up for lost time yeah i mean i don't think a lot of us know <laughs> no not i mean because i think for me i i feel like things are repeating from like my 20s but with more hindsight and and better decision making yeah so yeah. i feel like i'm uh have a youthful energy and, and the pursuits that I have are still very youthful in nature, but I have far more insight on like how this is going to play out if I go down this yes, path. Less yes. Less naivety, more maturity in terms of your decision. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you're afforded the time and the leisure to kind of go out and explore and create and do different things, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what would you do differently moving forward now knowing what you've known that you missed out on in your 20s? Like what's what's one thing that you missed out on in your 20s that you look back on and say, man, I wish I did that, that you're doing now well, that I you was, didn't even realize? I think I have a lot more fun right now. <laughs> like I, um, because this is the beauty of Jeff because I love him so much. Um, he introduced me to this whole new world, a whole new world, you know, <laughs> uh, because it's he's into electronic music and he mm. produces music. And so now we go out to, the club, but it's not the club that 
people think of when you when you think about when you're in your 20s. It's a different scene. It is a totally different scene. It's a much more mature scene. People are not there to hook up. No one's there to bump and grind next to you. It's literally for the music. It's <laughs> for the music and it's amazing and I can't believe I wasted the first few years of my life like not appreciating music that way. Mm. So that's all. I, I really have very little regrets. Like I, I feel like every positive thing that's ever happened to me has always been by accident <laughs> and and I'm I'm pretty content with where I'm at. I mean, I suppose I um we would feel more confident about buying a house if we had maybe less debt. <laughs> so maybe don't be in debt might be one thing that I would change and, and we'll mm. definitely be more proactive about being in a better position to buy a house. So I, that might be some of the things that I would change, but not much. How do you go from no school debt to having debt? Like that's, that's oh a very interesting. Oh my God. Here's what's worse is one of the things I did at the bank is that I taught financial literacy. <laughs> Your life is just ironic. Yeah, you are yes. a big ball of irony. <laughs> so funny. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, well, you know what? It's that YOLO, man. That YOLO <laughs> life. Okay, here's something. Want that, it, go buy it. Fuck it. Who yes, cares, right? Yeah, so here's something to think about. I don't know if you have this feeling, but sometimes I feel overwhelmed with um, options and things to do. I wonder if our parents at our age, without Facebook, were they... As in, in, in like overrun with invitations to things like I have anxiety over how many cool things that I want to go to, but also birthdays and da 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 da, da and all these things that I don't think would be so in my face if it wasn't for things like social media. I'm overwhelmed. I'm at capacity with friends. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly think our no. Go ahead. I honestly think my parents they they led a very low key life. They they were very minimalist in terms of friends, possessions, everything. I think that was just the immigrant mentality. You know, I, I think it was like they were very thankful for what they had, primarily because they didn't have anything else. Right. Yeah. And they they lived life for their kids, primarily because that's all life was to them before, yeah. and that's all they saw, that's all they knew, and that's all they knew how to do. So possessions, all that stuff, they just wanted stability. And I think that was the most important thing. Right now, we're so inundated with so much, like you like you mentioned, I, I don't think we have any other choice but to feel that kind of anxiety. Yeah. But it's how we deal with it. It's how we approach it that makes our lives unique and different in, in every regard. Like me, I don't give a fuck about the birthdays and the invitations <laughs> on Facebook. Invite me to a bunch of shit on Facebook. I'll turn around and invite you to something and then I'll get butt hurt that, that you don't yeah, come. Yeah, exactly. Where I've never come to any, I've never been to any event on Facebook. I think maybe like one or two. It's different. Everybody approaches something differently. And that's the thing. Even like taking that and putting our parents, my parents in particular, into the modern age, um, and rewinding time and putting them in their 30s with social media, I still think that my parents would have been very minimalist, yeah, very I don't simple. know. I don't know. What do you think? I think that's just a product of, of their environment because there's no telling yeah, how absolutely. their parents would be if they had the same access. But I remember in my head, we were very active when I was growing up. It was either some big family, so birthday party, visiting aunts, uncles, whatever the case was. And I hated it, right? I was always doing something on a weekend. Now, looking back, it probably wasn't every weekend, but that's what it felt like. Yeah. yeah. And now as an adult, I live the exact same life, right. except I fill it with different things. Things that you like. Things that I like, yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, it's still, majority is still with family, but a lot of it's more work that I'm interested in creating and doing. But it's, they're still very active. And But my parents are two very different people. Mm. My dad is very much the homebody, mm -hmm. likes to be at the house. And, you know, my mom is, oh yeah, I'm gonna go 
have lunch with my friend or, you know, I got, mm-hmm. you know, I'm taking classes with another friend and we're doing this and we're doing she's cooking classes and all this good, cool stuff that she's doing you know, as she's retired. So I think she still would have been pretty, a lot more social. Yeah. I think it'd be interesting to ask our parents, like, what do you think of social media? Like, do you, were you as, were you invited to as many things as we are now? Do, are, does social media make us foster a lot, a larger number of relationships. I think it does. I, yeah. I definitely think it does. Mm-hmm. I think, and that's a product of social media in and of itself. And without that, social media wouldn't exist because then we wouldn't be receiving that external stimulus from being uh, liked, quote unquote, by yeah. by so many people, right? And fe- feeling included by all these people that we really otherwise wouldn't care for. Yeah. When we were, when I was growing up. Um, we always used to go to like really close friends and family plays. Uh, a lot of the same people all the time. Right, yeah. You see the same groups of people all you know all over the place. It was very communal. I feel like now, and we've mentioned this before on the show, community has taken on a an entirely new definition. It's more global. We're yeah, part of a bigger body. Mm-hmm. I think that's just a lot, uh, very overwhelming for people who uh, weren't used to that. You know, and came from a completely different society with a completely different culture and mindset that didn't care about all that, you know, extra added bullshit. They they focused on what was important. That was them, their family, and their local community. That's not to say that they would act the same way if those distractions weren't present. No, you're right. You know, because they didn't have those distractions of social media, they didn't have the option that to you know maybe neglect responsibilities or make poor choices the way we make poor choices. I'm sure all our parents have made poor choices. Yeah, but there was different opportunity back then that would have given them the same set of challenges, just painted in a different way. It's all. I don't. It's all I don't think so. No, it's. it's Remember, all, everything it's is all, cyclical. Everything is cyclical, but there's nothing like we have right yeah. now where we're so yeah. connected. I, you know, I. You got to put it in, and not to cut you off, and I apologize, but not in the sense of what we think of it now and how social media is so groundbreaking when the radio and TV and newspapers and, and, and wire to wire news was first invented, that was all groundbreaking and that revolutionized the way that they communicate, that they interacted, that blew up communities into more of a global sense as well. And you got to understand this is all relative. So back then it was the same thing to, to have radio or TV as social media is for us. But you're not accessing that radio host the way you're accessing now. I, so I, I think it's a new challenge of, it's a unique challenge to the 30 people 30 year olds of today that i think it's all it's it's well elements of experiences that others have experienced but i really do think that this is like a new level of yeah. of invites of connecting ex uber connecting like we're we've connected through different podcasts so it's that i think that's something that i'm uh, I do feel overwhelmed with. It's like, wow, it's so much. But I think another thing that happens when you're in your 30s, you get more selective and you know yeah. not to go to everything. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that your time Which is, is why I'm surprised limited. you're even here. I know. Wow. <laughs> no, so going, it's okay. a good news, right? This is worth it. <laughs> so going back to your point though, I I think the, the parallels from our parents to my, or to our generation, everything came through mail. Invitations always came through mail. I still get a lot of mail invitations, for, but and sometimes it'll be on Facebook, but a lot of times hard paper mail of- You get mail on Facebook? That's amazing. You get actual mail. Yeah. So from like- <laughs> Yeah. I didn't know the post office delivered to Facebook. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you get both. You get yeah. the Facebook invites, but you still get actual invites. I'm just being invites. a dick to him because that <laughs> joke just flopped and I just- <laughs> Hence the head bash, the microphone. 
No, but so I, you know, I still get. Okay, will you stop? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Did you hear All it? Right. All right, fine. Forget it. <laughs> no, keep going. Keep, keep going. Keep going. I already lost my whole New anxieties of the 30-year-olds. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. So real quick, why don't you go ahead and tell us like uh, what you guys do on Tamarindo and um, Tamarindo. 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 Hey. Tamarindo. Hey. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. Let's go eat some Tamarindo. <laughs> let's get a Tamarindo martini. Yes, exactly. So- uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about the podcast and what you guys do out there and, and plug it. Go ahead. Plug I it. would love to do that. So uh, Tamarindo Podcast is me and co-host Melina Bobadilla. And we like to call ourselves the Educated Peloneras. I'm wearing the t-shirt right now, which you all <laughs> cannot see because this is a podcast. But um, <laughs> go to our website, tamarindopodcast.com, and you can see the shirt. But it's a lot of fun. And we basically talk. We live in the intersection of media, um, politics, and pop culture. And we like to dish out critical and comical interventions. We have a lot of episodes where it's just Melina and I, but we also have had a lot of fascinating guests. And mm-hmm. we're just trying to profile uh, uh, folks that are doing amazing things in the com- in the community. But we don't want it to be just Latinos. Like we were excited to bring in other folks as well. And we're having a lot of fun with it. And it, it's something that I that occupies my time and Jeff's time because he's the producer of it and, and Melina's time as well. And... You know, we, we've been doing it for a couple of years, love to see it grow. So I hope that your listeners, as they're listening to this and want to hear another group of 30-year-olds, 30, 30 you can go to um, tamarindopodcast.com and catch us there and everything else, previous episodes and all that. So that's awesome. I think I, I definitely want to, you know, and I apologize, I have not listened to it, but I definitely want to know a lot of what you guys do. And it sounds super interesting because it's it's very relevant to a lot of what we do here on this show because we're talking about and trying to engage our community and our people. And yeah, our people, connecting. yeah, in a good way, in, not, in not a an overwhelming way. way. And <laughs> in a lot of those aspects, politics, media, and pop culture, you know, we don't really talk a whole lot of pop pop culture, but we talk a lot of politics and media and, and what's current. That's really cool. So we definitely want to hear from our listeners. You know, we talked about a lot of good stuff today. Uh, definitely want to hear from anybody that's experienced a lot of what Brenda has in terms of being undocumented, growing up in this world, becoming a product of your environment, maybe not being able to make your own decisions. And they might not have been bad decisions, but maybe things could have gone different from you. Reach out to us. Let us know. Have you been in a situation where you've had to grow into yourself uh, where you've had doubt creep in, where you've had to struggle with the reality of becoming 30 in transitioning from your 20s and losing control at one point or time throughout that journey and maybe regaining it and maybe you're still trying to find your voice. Let us know. Reach out. We want to hear from you. We want to be inspired and we want to share your story with our listeners. So with that being said, Brenda, where can the people find you? The people can find me at tamarindopodcast.com is where you can get connected to all of that. And then my personal Twitter is at Brenda Ricards. That's R-I-C-A-R-D-S because technically I'm Mrs. Ricards, but I still go by Brenda Gonzalez. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're not that confused, great, because I am. How about you, Randy? Where can the people find you? You can find me anywhere and everywhere at I am Randy T. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Turg says no. And no, I wasn't going to give you the opportunity to <laughs> pull it right back to me. So poop on you. Poop.
Thank you for subscribing to another episode of Talk 30 to Me. We hope you enjoyed and continue to share it with friends. Make sure to stop by our website at talk30tome.com for more content and information about the podcast. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. And if you really like what you hear, make sure to leave us an awesome five-star review. For Talk 30 to Me, I'm Turd. And I'm Randy Z. Peace. <laughs> yeah. But you're really good with keeping flow. And I could tell that you guys do it all in one take because it's just very solid. Yeah, we if normally do it. Rarely do we go like, oh, wait a minute, we say that. Yeah. And if you stumble, you just kind of fix yourself as you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. You had to count. To that, to that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to that point, every major transition in your life was four years long. Right, 22, you graduated, went to marriage, you ended it again. Yeah. Yeah. You're pretty perceptive. Yeah. Oh, this uh-huh. is and I was, because uh, you're actually kind of a, you're a ther- therapist no, kind of a little bit. Yeah, a therapist kind of, yes. <laughs> a little tiny bit, right? He, talk, he talks to Your degrees are that, right? No, not at all. I do that just because it's, it comes with the nature of my job, but it's really just listening. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> my practice is not doing very well. <laughs> <laughs> You can find me and oh dear. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I usually go first it's, it's you're saying my that, line. It's yeah, it's getting to that twilight hour too. I know you um, before guys, we wrap it up, do you want to do a call out to the other channel? Oh yeah, 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 I did. I did, I did, I did. It's actually my name. It's now Brenda Brenda Ricards, but I cannot get used to it. So Brenda Gonzalez or Brenda Ricards. <laughs> it's literally legal, legally Brenda Ricards, but it's been four years and I just can't. So, but it is on Twitter, Brenda Ricards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super confused right now. So <laughs> me too. <laughs> me too. And sometimes, well, whatever. I'll, I'll be more cautious. Sometimes I say things that are inappropriate. Oh, you're totally But it's funny. Yeah. Last last episode, I accidentally said some stuff that it came out wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh... Oh, the, uh... What was it? The planes? Yeah, the planes just come on us or come on the audio. Oh. Oh, shoot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're recording already. But it's fine. We haven't started the show yet. Okay. Before the planes come all over the audio. Oh, no, we don't need them do that. to do that. Get that out of the way. We want planes that last. Do <laughs> 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 you have a dog? Yeah. Can we talk about my dog and how it's my child? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's disrespectful to actual parents. <laughs> we can talk about that. Bash you dog lovers a little bit more. <laughs>